This is the Talk of the Town. From Morgantown to Clarksburg, if it's happening, we're talking about it. Call the show toll-free at 1-800-765-8255. Now, here is your host for the Talk of the Town, Dave Wilson. Good morning. Welcome into the program. It is Talk of the Town. Hope your day's off to a fine start. Lots to get to this morning. You're welcome to be part of the show at 304-TALK-304. That is the text line. Of course, you can always call in. Uh, Joe Nelson running the telephones this morning. I don't know when the last time I've actually said telephone was. Could you just say phone? Cell phone. I digress. Uh, 800-765-TALK is the phone number. 800-765-8255. That is the phone number. Operator Joe is standing by. Monongahela County Commission approved its ordinance regulating pedestrian and vehicle safety yesterday. It basically bans anyone from standing along busy roadways, intersections, and in highway medians. That ordinance goes into effect immediately. It was in response to constituent concerns and the concerns of other local officials in the county. Now, it took on a couple of different iterations before this final proposal that was ultimately approved yesterday. And one of the reasons it took on several different iterations was because the county commission was very aware as they developed this ordinance that panhandling cannot be prohibited. That is protected speech under the First Amendment, and there's plenty of case law to support that. So they had to be cautious about crafting a narrowly tailored ordinance that did not prohibit the actions of individuals, did not violate constitutionally protected rights, but also did not target a specific group of individuals or specific persons. Does this ordinance do that? Well, I guess we're going to find out because yesterday... Mountain State Justice issued a release or put out a letter. Uh, Mountain State Justice and the ACLU West Virginia condemn Montague County Commission's decision to ban panhandling and infringe upon residents' First Amendment rights, says the letter. The letter calls the ordinance an infringement upon free speech dressed up in language meant to obscure the commission's intent to ban panhandling for solicitors and drivers alike on county roadways. The letter calls it a cruel attempt to punish those experiencing poverty and a controversial enactment of law that clearly runs afoul of the First Amendment. You can slap a horn on a pony and call it a unicorn, but a unicorn this does not make, the letter says. The commission's ordinance is equally fantastical, premised on the idea that sweeping bans on speech make a community safer or more inclusive. We tried to tell them now we will see them in courts. So... Mountain State Justice is going to challenge the ordinance in court. We expected this to happen. We'll see how the arguments play out. We'll hear from uh, the staff attorney for Mountain State Justice. Leslie Nash is going to join us at the bottom of the hour and get her take on this and what their next steps will be. Obviously, they want to challenge it in court. We'll talk about that coming up at the bottom of the hour. A couple of minutes from now, Greg Matheny and Heidi Matheny are going to join me in studio. They went before the 
Montague County Board of Education earlier this week to announce a new capital campaign or to discuss a new capital campaign to build a baseball, softball, tennis sports complex up at University High. University High up on Baker's Ridge, one of the most scenic. I would put it up there with Minor Mountain. If you've ever been up on Baker's Ridge when the sun is setting for a Friday night game, it is uh, quite picturesque. But um, they have announced that the capital campaign for this complex located up at University High, that would include baseball, softball, and tennis facilities, it is, I don't think, it is a field of dreams. Let me put it that way. Like the man said in the movie, if you build it, they will come. It would be a fantastic complex. I've got a couple pictures of the um, conceptual renderings. It would be fantastic, but it's going to be a lot of work. So where do you begin? Where do you go? We'll talk to Greg and Heidi about that coming up just a couple of minutes from now. All right, other headlines this morning. A Michigan man's charged fleeing from police and hitting several vehicles, including a school bus. That happened last week. Rex Jenkins is currently having breakfast at the North Central Regional Jail this morning. Uh, the Morgantown Restore closed. That caught a lot of people uh, off guard. It clo- I mean, it, it's closed. It closed for good yesterday. The Mon Valley Habitat for Humanity uh, board of Directors made that decision to close the restore, citing current market conditions. Uh, in a statement and a release from the Board of Directors, I paraphrase, um, now they'll be able to focus on their core mission of providing housing to low- and moderate-income families. I know people that bought, there was some good stuff at the restore. They would take home renovation stuff, gently used um, sometimes contractors who had uh, extra supplies would donate to the restore, and then they would sell it, and then use obviously as kind of a fundraiser for Habitat for Humanity. But the uh, yeah, the restore has closed for good in Morgantown. Um, you can read more at wvmetronews.com this morning. Longtime Mountaineer basketball analyst Jay Jacobs, the Morgantown High grad. Announcing his retirement after five decades behind the mic. He'll do one more game uh, this fall and will be honored for his um, years of basketball analysis, Mountaineer basketball analysis. If you think Mountaineer basketball, Jay Jacobs, maybe I'll, I'll have to drag Kyle in here maybe later. You think Jerry West comes to mind, Rod Hundley, but Jay Jacobs is on that list, right? I mean, he would be in there. If I said name the top five names of Mountaineer basketball associated with Mountaineer basketball, Jay Jacobs is in the, on that list, right? I'll ask Kyle. High school regional soccer tonight. Boys take on uh, Morgantown. Boys take on University. Uh, Morgantown girls will face Buchanan Upshur in a move that makes so much sense. They will all go to Brook High School, which is hosting the regional to play those games this evening. So yes, to recap, Morgantown boys. Versus University Boys in soccer. The two schools are nine miles apart. We'll drive two hours to the Ohio Valley to play a regional soccer final. Makes sense to me. <laughs> you can get more on all those stories over at the website, wvmetronews.com for your statewide headlines, wajr.com for your local headlines. 
the vision of a sports complex up at University High School. We'll talk about that next. We're talking about your town. Now back to the talk of the town. I got guests in the studio, and they broke the microphones already. Heaven's sakes. Uh, University High, since its inception in 1925, has never had on-site facilities for spring athletic programs, uh, such as baseball, tennis, softball. And that means you've had, they've had to travel all over the county. Currently, UHS plays its baseball and softball games up at Milan Park. But there are a couple of people who at least, at least a couple of people who want to change that. They join me in studio this morning. Uh, please welcome Greg and Heidi Matheny to the program this morning. Morning, guys. Good morning, Dave. Thanks for having us. I appreciate you coming in. Okay, Heidi, yes. start with you. Okay. It's radio, so theater of the mind. Describe what you envision up on Baker's Ridge at University High when I talk about a UHS sports complex. Mm. That might be a question for Greg. Greg was pretty involved in the schematic and the, uh, the vision of the both, both the softball and baseball fields. Uh, uh, if, if you asked me to describe, I would be more describing more of a feeling for the students to be able to host games at the high school, um, that school spirit that they could uh, play on their own field at, at their home school. Uh, mine is more of a feeling, but I'll let Greg describe the image of what our All plan right. is there. Paint the picture, Greg. What are, what are we talking about up on Baker's Ridge, possibly? Well, first of all, it's, you know, it's just an absolutely beautiful campus. Uh, and, um, you know, I think as you to visualize it, for those that have been up there, you would drive to the entrance there and to your right as you go around the school, you would uh, – First, come upon the uh, beautiful baseball field on the right-hand side, uh, joining the cross-country course, um, moving forward to the to the uh, softball field, and then come on around to tennis. And uh, we have a new addition that we're uh, looking to try to add to it would be the uh, practice area uh, for the band. And upon arriving to the uh, to the football field, so just a, a great uh, great entrance uh, to a beautiful facility already. All right, you started to describe why. It's important why it would be important to the student body, the, the university students and athletes, to have that facility. But but go into a little that a little bit more, Heidi. Why this is both logistically would make a whole lot of sense, but also that 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 school spirit aspect of it. There there are several layers. Um, the first one that comes to mind as a parent is the safety. Um, currently, the the players have to drive across the county. Um, on the interstate on Baker's Ridge Road to, to get to Milan Park to practice. Um, there's that safety factor. There's the time factor. Um, as a parent, that, that can be concerning and scary, um, knowing that your child is driving on the interstate or has hopped into the car of someone else driving, driving on the interstate. Um, but then uh, if you experience a, a Friday night, football game mm -hmm. there that atmosphere um, the energy it, it's electric and as you mentioned they've never had spring sports there um, it's an opportunity to host games and, and and be able to host spring sports there so um, just that vision that the the university high made it to the states this yep. year 
Um, so there's excitement around the team and, and just them being able to have their uh, – they're listening. Stay, say hi to the baseball team. The baseball team's <laughs> listening. Hi, baseball team, and congrats. Let's see it again this year. Um, but for them to be able to encourage their uh, the students to just walk out and be able to attend a game and and uh, cheer on their their teams and I don't know. I believe in that school spirit, and I think that lends to it to have it on campus. It all sounds great. the The concepts look amazing. So they are amazing. how do we take it from concept? Because I've heard this talked about since I got here over a decade ago. Mm-hmm. Eventually, we're going to put right over there, yeah. and you go, okay, I can see that happening. So how do we go from concept to reality? Mm. What's the next step? Well, we attended the board meeting the other night, and um, something that was brought up is that the school's been there 15 years. Was it 15 years? 15 years. Um, it's time. It's time to, to – I know that was part of the vision in the beginning, um, and, it, and it was never uh, able to happen for whatever reason, but it's time. It's been there 15 years. They have a beautiful campus. They have the space. Um, we just now have to raise the money. Uh, I did apply for a grant last year from the state. They're, the state – most states have what's called the Amler Program, mm-hmm. and – Anytime that you are improving undermined land, um, they they offer monies. We did not receive monies this year for that, but I did apply again this year, and I'll I'll keep applying. But um, now we're just at the beginning of our capital campaign to raise money. And, and Greg, can you give us a? You don't have to go into great detail, but ba- a basic breakdown of a project this size. How much are we talking? it's going to cost and how much do you need to raise to really really make this happen we're aiming you know we're aiming big you know we're uh go big or go home yeah um you know uh as uh, when i first got started with this in terms of the budgeting of the fields and so forth i uh i uh, met with jed jerko uh, jed's uh you know previous uh he's a pretty good baseball player, player. Had, he uh, does had all some right success <laughs> along the way and uh, one of the things Jed was doing when we first started this, he was he, he was uh, had just been out in a February and been out uh, practicing on a turf field and getting ready to leave. And uh, one of the things he came back with, I thought he'd be just a a, a baseball guy, baseball softball guy that he'd want uh, dirt fields and grass and so forth. But he said, you know, in our area, turf uh, makes sense. And uh, so it kind of changed the vision and changed the project. It changed the the cost of the project. So. You know, we've got uh, we've aimed at five million dollars as our, our target, uh, as that we're shooting for. Uh, and as Heidi said, we're getting ready to get started on our. Uh, uh, we continue to hope, and uh, we would uh, maybe uh, uh, qualify and get the Amler grant. And if uh, if that happens, wonderful. But we do believe that uh, we can uh, we can make this happen through a capital campaign as well. What kind of reaction did you get when you? I mean, Greg and Heidi Matheny joining me here in studio this morning. Uh, what kind of reaction did you get? from the Board of Education when you talked to them and addressed them this week? They were very positive, very supportive. I, I think they want it to happen as well. Um, yeah, I, th- I thought it went really well. Yeah, they, uh, they, they were, I felt they were 100% on board. Uh, they've actually, a couple of the board members have, uh, they've created a fund. Uh, you know, if you mm-hmm. can go to uhssportscomplex.com and you can see UHS Sports dot complex dot com. I'll say it again. You can see the uh, vision, <laughs> and uh, in there you uh, you can actually make a donation. You can donate right there on the website. Uh, the board created a fund specifically for this uh, 
uh, for this complex. So the money goes directly there. Um, and we have board members that have actually uh, put their uh, money where their mouth is. They've, mm, uh, they've made donated. donations. So uh, in, this, in that case, I think this, this board just uh, wants to see this happen, and uh, they gave their full 100% support. Uh, you kind of jumped ahead of me there. I was going to ask, how can people get involved? How can they donate? Uh, so give the website again. It's what? UHSSportsComplex.com. And you can see renderings there. You can donate. Can I give? Can I give five bucks? Can I? Can I buy the naming rights to the field? I mean, there. I know we might want to name it after some Jerko guy. Yeah. Can we at least have the Randy Jerko? You know, the Randy Jerko bleacher yeah. The seat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not so sure, sure about that. We'll, 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 <laughs> we'll let Randy if he wants to donate. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely put put his name on something. But you bring up naming rights. Um, that is going to be our first push. Um, that we're opening up the the naming rights. Uh, for the actual sports complex featuring the Jed Jerko fields. Um, so uh, that will be our target audience. Uh, we we have our marketing materials uh, ready to go. We just have to have the board just approve some some minor details, and then we're 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 pushing it. We're going to go out and hit the big guys first for naming rights. And and we'll follow. I'll follow up on that. We'll take whatever uh, donations yeah. we can get. Yeah, uh, for people sure. have uh, we've uh, you know received anything from ten dollars to thousand dollars. So those all those things add up. In uh, your board, you've mentioned a couple of times, and some of the people you've got involved, you mentioned Jed, Rich Braham is involved. Yes. Uh, you know, former NFL player, obviously, all these people, you know, university alum. So you've got quite a, a diverse group there with the board, all who are interested in seeing this really come to fruition. It's not just um, the popular trend, is, is maybe where I'm going with this, because you guys know how this, not this in particular, but you, you've seen it in fundraising efforts before. You get excited, they get started, and then a year later you go, and hey, whatever happened to right. that? <laughs> right. That's sure. not going to happen in this case. I can I can tell with you two sitting here. That's not going to happen here, right? Yeah, it's it's our passion. Uh, we still have uh, uh, an eighth grader about to hit high school, plays baseball. Um, we've always been, we're, we're a sports family, as you know. Mm-hmm. We've always been involved in sports. Um, the community is our passion, and... Uh, we're, we'll see. I'm claiming it right here today on the radio. We're, we're going to see this through, not just for our kids, but for the community. Um, our vision is that the community will have access to this as well. And that side of town is actually uh, growing mm-hmm. faster than, than most areas in Mon County, and it's needed. What is the we got about a minute here. The first challenge to overcome, there will be a lot of challenges on, on, along the way, but what do you believe is the, the first challenge to overcome to make this reality? Mm. Well, right, that question makes me think right now, we have a lot of um, energy and interest in in-kind support. Um, that's also been our target, that there there are a lot of companies willing to do work for us for free just to yep. make this happen. So the the digging... Um, that's going to be the easy part. We're, we're going to be able to break ground um, soon, I believe. I don't want to say too soon. But um, that part, I think, is has been nice to see those companies coming out and saying, hey, what do you need? We're here. We'll do it at no charge. Greg, give the website one more time. 20 seconds. 
UHSSportsComplex.com. You can see renderings there. You can donate, guys. We're going to follow this closely. I want to see it come to fruition. We're, we're trying. Thank, thank you, and thank you for your support. Appreciate you. it. Absolutely. Greg and Heidi Matheny joining me in studio. It's 930. Let's get a news update. Check in with the Metro News Radio Network. Join the conversation at 1-800-765-8255. This is the Talk of the Town. Montague County Commission yesterday voted 3-0, approving its ordinance regulating pedestrian and vehicle safety. The ordinance, in general, bans anyone from standing along busy roadways, intersections, or in medians. Critics of the ordinance have said it unfairly targets Uh, homeless individuals and deprives them of their rights. Almost immediately after the commission approved the ordinance yesterday, uh, Mountain State Justice issued a release saying that Mountain State Justice and the ACLU West Virginia condemn the Montague County Commission's decision to ban panhandling and infringe upon First Amendment rights. That's the headline. Uh, Organizations announce intent to challenge the ordinance. Uh, Joining us on Talk of the Town this morning is Mountain State Justice Staff Attorney Leslie Nash. Leslie, good morning. Good morning, Dave. How are you? I'm doing well. Appreciate you taking some time with us this morning. Um, Why why oppose the ordinance, and what issues do you have with it? Yeah, so I think both Mountain State Justice and the ACLU of West Virginia have been pretty clear since this ordinance first came up for public hearing back in August, that we believe that this ordinance is explicitly targeted towards people who are soliciting charity, so, you know, quote-unquote panhandling, um, and that it is therefore unconstitutional as well as an infringement on people's basic rights. How does the ordinance unfairly target panhandling? Yeah, so I think this has clearly been a a big topic of conversation, both in in the media and at the county commission meetings. So obviously the ordinance itself, uh, in its current form, doesn't use the word panhandling at all. However, if you look at the the very clear history of public comment on the creation of this ordinance, going back to April, May of this year, almost all public comment referred to a comprehensive panhandling ban. Um, Commissioner Tom Bloom, who's been, you know, one of the main, if not the main supporters of this ordinance from the beginning, made numerous public comments stating that the purpose of this bill was to, uh, you know, cut down on people asking for charity. He makes explicit reference numerous times to constituents of his who feel uncomfortable when being asked for money. Um, And, you know, the commission may have changed the name of this ordinance in recent days, I suspect likely uh, following the advice of legal counsel, um, but it is, is still very clearly targeted. So how or or how does it violate an individual's First Amendment right? Because that, I, based off of your letter, that would be Mountain State Justice's contention. This uh, is violating the First Amendment rights of someone who, who wants to panhandle, ask for charity. So how does this ordinance do that, in your opinion? Absolutely. So the Supreme Court and you know, numerous other federal and state courts around the country have found over and over and over again 
that the act of asking for money, asking for charity is is protected by the First Amendment. You have a First Amendment right to ask people for money, to ask for charity. Um, so panhandling bans are explicitly violating individuals' First Amendment rights to ask for charity. I think that's, uh, you know, that's the bottom line here. It's a very clear violation of the First Amendment and its restriction on free speech. We're talking to uh, Leslie Nash, she's staff attorney for Mountain State Justice. Uh, certainly, I am, I am no attorney, nor do I claim to play one, but does does this ordinance actually ban that action? It seems to prohibit anyone from standing along these restricted areas. Well, you know, I was certainly, you know, both rich and poor alike are, you know, banned from sleeping under bridges, of course, but rich people aren't sleeping under bridges, right? Mm-hmm. Sorry, that's a bit of a strange No, I analogy. get you. No, I got, I got what you're saying. <laughs> But go on. Yeah, yeah, no, and so I think it's that's certainly something, and I do think the commissioners during um, the commission meetings, both August and more recently in October, certainly stressed the point that look, you know, we're not we're not saying poor people can't ask for money, we're not saying people can't panhandle, we're saying that no one can stand in the road. Um, you know, my, our response to that is well, we already have. Um, you know, traffic code, we have codes that could be used to enforce traffic violations. The commission has made no showing that those aren't working uh, to address the problem of pedestrian and traffic safety, first of all. Um, you know, I mean, I think secondly, it, it is true that it's not just people who are asking for money that would be punished under this ordinance. It's also people who decide they would like to engage in the act of giving charity to people. Um, you know, so actually what we're doing is publish, punishing free speech on both sides of the equation, which is a, an interesting approach. Leslie Nash joining us. She's a legal uh, staff attorney. I was going to call you a legal counsel, but staff attorney for Mountain <laughs> State Justice. Um, uh, Leslie, how does the the idea that someone's previous comments, uh, in your reference, Tom Bloom, earlier, uh, talking about a comprehensive panhandling ordinance or, or even an ordinance that started as one thing and then over the course of its development evolved into something else. How does that factor into how that is viewed legally? Sure. So courts have found in the past that even if a, an ordinance or a law doesn't explicitly say, you know, we are targeting this population or, or this action, that past public comments, um, excuse me, um, you know, past history can be taken into account when considering whether the ordinance or law or bill is unconstitutionally targeting certain activities or speech. Final question, uh, Leslie, or yeah, uh, sorry, my mind's going three different directions here. (laughs) Uh, it's, it's one of those mornings, but I'm just trying to, just trying to wrap my brain around everything, uh, uh, you're you're catching me up to speed here. On final question, though, why does Mountain State Justice? Why do you feel this is so important that you want to take this to court and challenge this ordinance? It, I really appreciate that question because I think that's you know more more even than the constitutional arguments you can make. I think our fundamental concern, not just about this ordinance, but about you know, moves that we see city councils and county commissions making all across the state and, in fact, across the country is this move towards really the criminalization of poverty. Um, We see, you know, 
if we're moving to criminalize, you know, this bill makes this a misdemeanor. We're moving to criminalize people who are in the position of having to ask for money. Um, what we're really trying to do is, is push poverty away to a place where we don't have to see it by forcing people to go elsewhere or by, you know, criminalizing people for asking for help, potentially leading to incarceration. And so I think our our response to this ordinance is tied up with our concern about you know, fundamental justice, about protecting our impoverished neighbors. Um, nobody wants to be homeless. Nobody wants to have to ask for money to get by. But there are people in our communities who are in that position, and, and they have the rights. They have constitutionally protected rights to do so. Um, and so we feel it's really important to stand by and with our neighbors who, who are in the position of having to ask for charity. And, you know, that's why we've paid so much attention to this, and that's why we intend to challenge it. Leslie Nash, she is Mountain State Justice Staff Attorney. Um, have you filed any paperwork, or is that uh, in the works? Are you starting that process soon? So we are early in the process, obviously. Mm -hmm. uh, we needed to wait to see the exact language of the ordinance when it was passed through. Now that we have that, um, our strategy will sort of be contingent on the way that this ordinance is in, implemented moving forward. Leslie Nash, staff attorney, Mountain State Justice, will uh, await to see the filings, I guess, coming up next. Leslie, I appreciate the time this morning. Thanks for the perspective. Thank you. Absolutely. 800-765-TALKS, the phone number, 304-TALK-304, the text line. Back for more in a moment. Now back to the talk of the town. Three hundred four talk. Three hundred four is the text line. Eight hundred seven six five talk is the phone number. Let me see here. Text line. Da, 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 da. I'm not sure what that's about. Uh, Dave, why is panhandling bad? The danger with that is many homeless people have serious mental health, physical health, or substance abuse issues, sometimes all three. If they can make it panhandling, it keeps them on the streets and keeps them from seeking help, says the texter. Good job, Montague County Commission. Let's keep everyone safe. So where is Mountain State when all of these homeless people are getting kicked out on the streets? Six states have laws that restrict panhandling statewide, and 24 states have laws that restrict panhandling in specific public places. If Mountain State is so worried about people in poverty, maybe they should come out with programs that help us instead of trying to come out with lawsuits that help themselves, says the texter. 304 Talk 304 is the text line. Taking your thoughts this morning, 800 765 Talk is the phone number. Mike in Morgantown wants to weigh in. Mike, good morning. Good morning. Hey, buddy. Uh, you know, on this, on this issue, uh, in a free society, uh, individual rights and individual responsibilities and obligations to society are always in tension. Um, society needs individuals to, we need to have our rights, but there needs to be a balance with our, our responsibilities. And to me, this, uh, this ordinance is a reasonable one trying to balance the, these two uh very important uh, concepts, principles. 
the, the First Amendment is not – those rights are not absolute, as the old saying goes. You cannot yell fire in a crowded theater. Uh, courts have, have upheld limited, tightly drawn ordinances. Hopefully this one will. But you know, I think the broader picture is that uh, our society, there's too much emphasis on individual rights and not enough emphasis on individual responsibilities. I'd like to see an American Civil Responsibilities uh, Union as well as an American Civil Liberties um, uh, Union. Uh, you know, we, we, things are just too far out of balance, and this is a very minor attempt to bring things back into balance. So that's, that's my comment. Mike, good thoughts there. Good phone call. Appreciate it. Thank you. 800-765-TALKS, the phone number, 304-TALK, 304, the text line. The, the ordinance itself, obviously... I am not a lawyer, nor do I pretend to be one. Just a cursory cursory reading of it, it seems very narrowly tailored. And there are other ordinances in other states. And I know there, there are other states. They have different you know, state laws, whatnot. But if we're talking about constitutional rights, that have been upheld and have been able to withstand uh, court challenges. Uh, one in Alabama comes to mind. I think the Alabama legislature actually passed something similar. Uh, we talked about the one in Massachusetts. Berkeley County has a similar ordinance on the books and has had a, a similar ordinance on the books since 2017. So there are some that can withstand a court challenge. I will be interested if and when we get to that point to listen to the legal arguments and listen to the judge's decision. I'll be interested to hear it. Also, how the... Past comments of Tom Bloom or other commissioners, Tom gets singled out a lot because he talks a lot, but how those comments or even how an ordinance or, or a bill evolves, I, I find that very interesting, that, there, that you can make an argument that because you proposed an ordinance and your legal counsel comes back and says your ordinance or your proposed bill would violate constitutional rights. So you can't run it as is. You change the bill, you change the ordinance, so that it, at least in theory, does not violate constitutional rights, does not run afoul of state law. You make that modification. It. I'm fascinated that you could make a legal argument that says, well, because you proposed it this way, but ultimately approved it that way, that should still be thrown out because what you really meant to do was that at the beginning. I'm fascinated that you could make that legal argument. I'm really interested to hear that legal argument. Got to take a break. We'll get to some of the text next. We're talking about your town. Now back to the talk of the town. Let me get to some text here in the final couple of moments this morning. Dave, the issue with the intersections, if there is an accident with an injury, who pays? The injured person may have created the situation. Do they have liability insurance or intentionally uh, to intentionally stand in the intersection? That's one of the points. I don't know if it was that exact point, but that county commissioners have made is you, one, you create a nuisance. If the individual is standing in the median, you have traffic that is stopped or you have a driver who stops to 
uh, give that individual money, the light changes, the traffic backs up, and we all know in Morgantown it does not take much to create a traffic backup. So one, you have a nuisance, but two, you do have a safety issue. If an individual is sitting in a median at an intersection, there's an accident, that individual is hit or injured, you're right, you have a safety issue there. There have been examples of people who have had children sitting with them as they as they panhandle in these areas. That is, It is a safety issue. We've had other issues. We've had other situations where we've had pedestrians walking along these busy roads. They've been standing next to these busy roads, and they have been hit. They have been injured or worse. So I think there actually is a legitimate safety issue as well as a public nuisance issue for the other 99% of the population of Montegate County. 304 Talk 304. Dave, Leslie Nash needs to spend some time in downtown Morgantown and investigate the lifestyle of the panhandlers. The latter are not homeless or indignant, just druggies with enough knowledge to work the system. Yeah, we got a drug problem. I I am of the opinion and will stay of the opinion the drug problem is worse than the homelessness problem. The homelessness problem is more of a symptom of the larger drug problem that Morgantown slash Montague County has. And yes, I do think most of the individuals casting with a or painting with a broad brush here are not homeless. Dave, we know Tom's intentions, his own words on your show will be used against him. I have no idea what this is. It's a link to something. Like, I'm going to click the link to something to be the guy that sends the network down because of a virus. Ha! Ah! Hoppy Kerchival is coming up next. Metro News Talk Line. Uh, Montague County Commissioner Jeff Arnett scheduled to join him. We'll talk to you tomorrow, 9.06. We'll preview the Mohawk Bowl. Have a great day. Every day, we rise challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.